Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. I'm in too deep. I'm in too deep. And, and I'm actually talking about a, a, a happening in the Bible that is very well known. I mean, people in, in church know about this story. People who don't really go to church kind of know about this scenario. This is the scenario, uh, the happening where Peter walks on water, right? And to give you a little context, so, so Jesus is, is always separating himself to pray. If you read the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus separates himself to pray. Most of the miracles he performs comes out of a place of intimacy and prayer. That's important. So he separates to pray, separates to pray. He does something where he, he sends the disciples on the boat, right? Some of you guys know it. He sends them off. He says, listen, I'll meet you. On the other side, I'm going to meet you there. Just get on this boat and go. So they, they're on this boat, and the boat, the boat begins, begins to get rocky. It, it begins to shake, and there's a storm happening, right? I'll, I'll imagine just clouds and lightning and waves crashing, and, and out of nowhere, uh, uh, Peter sees what seems like a ghost, right? His, uh, Jesus is kind of moving within the waves and within the storm and within the rain and the lightning, and he kind of sees him, and he doesn't know if it's him, so he says this. He says, Lord, if it's you, call me to come out to you in the water, right? He has this faith where he doesn't know if it's Jesus, so he tests God. He says, God, if that's you, can you, can you allow me to walk to you? And Jesus says, go ahead, buddy. Come on in. Take a dip. I want to read with you the book of Matthew. I, I want to read uh, uh, verse 29. If you could jump to 29. Book of Matthew chapter 14, verse 29. It's on your screen. It says this, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, right? He steps out of the boat. His first foot is on water. He walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began sinking. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So they saw what God had did in Peter, and they saw how Jesus literally saved Peter's life. And, and, and out of an act of, of Peter kind of walking out the boat, all this happens. He comes back to the boat, and the disciples are just they're going crazy. They're, wow, truly you are the son of God. Verse 34, when they had crossed over, um, they went to that land of the G-land. It's hard to say, G-land. I'm going to say G-land. Amen? Can I pray with you for a second? Can I pray with you? Because God has a message for you, and I don't want anything to distract you. Um, if, if there's anyone here that has used the restroom, please, for the next couple moments, please try to sit still in reverence and honor of the house of God. If your phone's on loud, please silence it. And, and, and just try to, try to just eliminate any distractions today, because I believe God has a word for you. And nothing, no man, no neighbor, no cell phone, nothing's getting in the way of God's word. Amen. Let's pray right now. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. In the house of God, Lord, we love you. We thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for just giving us this day, Lord, that we get to worship, come into the house that you have designed for us, Lord, and, and give you praise and give you glory. Lord, there's a word for us today, and we pray that we have ears to hear and eyes to see you. And everybody says, come on, everybody says, amen, amen. What's awesome about these lights here, um, if you don't know what's happening here, why they unfold, there's no power. You know, there's power to all those lights Here's the thing, as a church, we kind of took on this, this challenge that we're going to be a bit more evangelistic during the summer. So all the salvations that we get on Sundays and Fridays, we're actually going to be tallying them up and, and turning on a light bulb for every single salvation 
Um, so however many bulbs is how many people got saved in the last couple weeks. You can make some noise for that. Come on. Two Sundays. This past Friday, uh, uh, we did an altar call, and eight young adults said yes to Jesus for the very first time. Eight. So I'm going to do the bulbs. You guys ready for this? Can we count together? You guys ready? Here we go. One, two. Come on, I want to hear you. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Can you make some noise? E is almost full. Next week, we're going to tap into what, to W. Who believes that? Who believes that? Tap into W. Yes. On Friday night, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Gentry and the team, they go out Friday nights, and they're ministering to homeless on the streets, and someone said yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, we're a church on the move. We're a church that's unafraid. We're a church that's unashamed. We're a church, watch this, that gets outside the boat. See, here's the thing about the boat. The boat that Peter is in represents something that's very comfortable. You see, when you get called to, to life and, and purpose in Jesus, there has to be a switch that happens in your mind. There has to be a switch. When you understand the gospel, when you understand what Jesus did for you, right? Jesus hung on a cross, right? That was not, that was not comfortable at all. Jesus hung on a cross for you. He took whips for you. He was spat on for you. He was abused, he was beaten, he was, he was accused. I mean, he did nothing wrong, and he hung on that cross for you and for me. And here's what happens. When we get saved, when we realize what Jesus has done for us, there needs to be a switch in our minds, right? The problem is that we live in America. Anybody love America? Here's the problem with America, that we're very comfortable. Very, very comfortable. How many of you guys love comfy homes? I love a comfy home. When you walk in, it smells nice, right? The blanket, my girlfriend's family, they have like these blankets they buy. They're awesome. They're like sheep on one end and then like wool on the other. I'm venting. Anyways, super comfy. I love comfy blankets. I love comfy homes. I love comfort. And, 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 and as Americans, we love comfort. I tell you, man, how can my bed get more comfy? How can my house get more comfy? How can my car get more comfy? How can my headphones get more comfy? How can my clothes get more comfy? How can my relationships get more comfy? We love comfortability, but the thing is, we go to church, and we still get comfortable. We walk into a, a building like this. We hear the message of Jesus, and we say, okay, now it's time to be comfortable and go to heaven. And Jesus is like, I did not call you to a life of comfortability. I called you to a life of sacrifice. I gave it all for you, not for you to sit and be comfortable, but for you to stand and move and step out of your boat and do what I called you to do. You got to be at this crossroad mentally where it's like, am I going to choose comfort? Or am I going to choose the plan and purpose that God has for me? Here's the truth. Peter would have never seen a miracle from God if he had stood on the boat. Woohoo! Peter would have never seen the miracle standing out out of the boat, standing on water, walking on water, looking at Jesus. He probably could have did a moonwalk on the water, right? He could have done. All. He would have never seen the glory. He would have never seen the miracle. He would have never done what no man has ever done if he stood comfortable. If he stood on the boat, can I encourage you? Maybe your next miracle is the result of you getting uncomfortable. Maybe your next blessing that you're praying for, Lord, give me, Lord, give me, Lord, give me. He's like, go, go, go. Jesus is in the storm like, yo, I know there's storms in your life, but I'm in the middle of it. And in two words, be still. Come on, waves begin to die down. Storms begin to move away. 
Sometimes what determines your blessing is your ability to get uncomfortable. Sometimes what determines what you're praying for. Anybody have any prayer requests for God? God, I want you to heal someone. God, I want you to do this in my body, do this in, fa- in my family. Lord, I want- Anybody got prayer requests? Are we all living perfect lives? Come on, do you have something you want God to do? Do you have something you want God to touch? Is there family members you're praying for? Are there sick people in your life? Are you sick? Come on, is there stuff going on that you're preparing for God? God we're giving up petitions, but we're staying in the boat. Bless me, Lord, but I'll stay back here. I'll stay where it's comfortable, where it's safe. And Jesus is in the middle of the storm. We can be so comfortable, we don't even notice Jesus. Disciples said, who is that, a ghost? You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be guessing if that was Jesus if you were out there with him, if you were already uncomfortable. They're stuck in their boat. They're stuck in their boat. And they're looking, listen, here's the truth. Peter did not have the ability to walk on water. He did not. But he did it anyways through obedience and surrendering and stepping out of his boat. Here's the truth. Peter did not walk on water. Peter walked on the word of Jesus. Peter walked on the word of Jesus. When Jesus said, come, every step that he took may have felt like he was walking off a cliff. He was unsure. He might sink immediately. Water is not solid. You would literally dip in. But every step he took, every step he walked forward, come on, God was just putting his hand under his feet, walking him forward. Come to me because you've been obedient, because you were uncomfortable, because you stepped out of what you knew, all that you knew in the safe zone. You will see a miracle. You'll do, how about this, the biggest glory of your life may come out of result of you being uncomfortable. The greatest blessing you'll probably ever see in your life may come from you being uncomfortable. Can I tell you, this church, New Birth, my, me and my family, three years ago, we sat in our living room. We lived comfortable lives. Woo, we were comfortable. Woohoo! Yeah, my parents quit their jobs to start this church. That's, we ain't playing, y'all. We ain't playing. It was hard. There were times we, we hey, God, grass cutters, please stop cutting grass. We can't pay you after this, right? We can't go out as much. We have to stay. I had to get a job. My dad hadn't worked for 16 years. He had to go get a job somewhere. We left the place we were. We were comfortable. We were okay. We were, we were all right. We were doing fine. But God called us to be uncomfortable. And I promise you. If you don't know this testimony, here's a testimony from our church. In three months, we planned this church out in three months. Any church planter you meet will tell you that that is foolishness. To plan, start, and plant a church in three months, it makes no sense. But in three months, we received over $200,000 to start our property, to own a building. And we started the building. We didn't call it our church. We rented here. And we said, we're going to do the ministry there. I promise you, the biggest blessing we've ever had as a family would have never come if we stood in the safe room. In the safety. You want your family to receive a blessing? I dare you all to get uncomfortable. Woo-hoo! You want your finances to grow? Stop being comfortable with your finances. Give it to God. Step out of your boat. And maybe the biggest blessing you'll ever see in your life is a result of you being uncomfortable. Amen? Psalms 54. 4. says this, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Here's the thing, a life uncomfortable, the question is, who, what, what's going to sustain me? If I walk out this boat right now, who, who's going to actually hold me? Who's going to sustain me? Keep that verse up. Who's going to actually hold me up? Who, who's going to do it? 
If I give it all away, who's going to do Who's going to listen? God is your help, and surely he will sustain you. Not maybe, not sometimes, not only on Sundays, every day of your life. God promises to be your help and to sustain you. Church, what does this story have to do with me and you today? Here's the truth. God is calling you out of your boat. He's calling you out of your boat. What is this whole Peter and Jesus? What was this summer at Newbury? Listen, one message today. God is calling you out of the boat of, of comfortability. He's calling you out. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's with your serving. You come to church, you receive, 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 receive. It's like someone going into a buffet and all they do is eat. Years in church just eating and never giving. You're spiritually obese, probably. See, American Christians, we're really good at receiving. We're not so good at taking what God put in us and putting it through us. So, so maybe you're in this boat of just not serving. I tell you, Jesus found his greatest glory when he served mankind. Jesus was elevated to the right hand of the Father. Jesus received the keys of hell. He received all glory, all authority. When he submitted himself, he was then elevated. And Jesus says, I want you to follow me. I want you to live the same lifestyle. Step out of your boat of comfortability and I will bless you beyond measure. I will bless you. What you can't even think or imagine the things I'll do through you. That's what your, your father promises you. You can't even, the unthinkable, you, you can't even think about what I'm going to do in your life. The truth is, is that Jesus is calling us out of the boat. Maybe you're not serving. Maybe you're kind of just like, man, I, I, I don't have time to, to, to kind of give to God. When God gave you life, when God gave you his son, and we take what we've given him and we've used it against him. The first enemy of you being uncomfortable is what you care for. Are y'all here tonight? The first thing you put up against God when he calls you out of your boat is what, you have, what you're responsible for, what you care for, right? Come out the boat. I can't because look, look, look. If I serve, how is it going to affect my family? You gave me my family. I got to be a good steward of my family. I can't serve in the church because that means time away from my family. And God says, listen, step into what I have for you. Step out of the boat and you will see a miracle in your house. I wish I had more amens this morning. Maybe you're in this boat and you're saying, I can't, Lord, because look, my cares, my cares, my cares. And God says, listen, cast your cares onto me. That leaves you careless, not irresponsible, but trusting in the Father. In this, in this safe, listen, it's safe. It's fine here. It's awesome. But you're getting seasick. The boat's awesome. But it's rocking. And you're afraid because in any moment, the little feeble thing you've built up of safety, your, your retirement, anything you have up against what God wants you to do, it will fail and crumble. So your boat is not even a real safety net because it's rocking. I said this, I'll say it again. It, it, motion sickness isn't a problem if you're on the water. Last, week, uh, last month, I was in a boat. Me and my friends were speeding off in the ocean. Speeding. 20 miles an hour. And I'm in the front like, oh, my God. Pull the boat over. We park it. And it just gets real. Ooh. I'm terrible with boats, guys. I'm terrible. In an instant, I run to the back of the boat. I announce everyone, like, hey, guys, I'm about to puke. Go to the back. I mean, I'm just wailing. And someone had a good idea. Bro, just jump in the water. 
you're not seasick if you're in the water because you kind of just like, you know, you can float, you can do whatever. And I said, dude, all right. It's like throwing up, and I fell in my throw up. I'm kidding. <laughs> I knew it. No, no, no. I went to the other side of the boat, and I jumped in, and I was not seasick. An issue that was once an issue was not an issue because I stepped out the boat. A problem that was weighing on me so hard wasn't an issue anymore because I was completely submerged. Listen, a lot of Christians stop following Jesus because the boat gets too rocky. When God's calling you out of the boat, come out the boat. It won't be a problem anymore. Step out into what's uncomfortable, and you'll maybe potentially see the biggest miracle you've ever seen in your life. It's the boat of serving. You've got a boat of finances, right? Always touchy. The average pastor preaches around three sermons a year on money. And we're not the money church, right? That's not who we are. But I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about it because you need to hear it. I need to hear it. We need to be reminded that God can do so much more with my finances than I could on my own. That God can bless so much more of my business and my family. Everything, he can do more than what I could do by myself. You see, when you give 10% to God, you say, God, I'm going to give you my tithes of everything that I make. You know what you're doing? You're stepping out of the boat, right? When the world is super safe with finance, no, 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 I'm safe here. I make this amount of money. I have this much money left over on bills. I'm, I'm good on this, and we're safe, and we're safe. God, I can't tithe because I'm safe. I can't step into what you want from me because I'm back here by the shore. I'm still in what I'm comfortable at. But God calls you today. I hear Jesus right now. Step out of your boat. And you will see a miracle you've never thought you would ever see. Step out of your boat. What you're comfortable at. Step out and you'll see God move in an amazing way. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. So, so God calls us to step out of the boat. All right, I get that. Awesome. Great job. Awesome. Cool. Step out. I get it. Here's the thing. If you step out of your boat, if you get uncomfortable, right, you actually start giving, you actually start serving, you actually become a part of the church and be a part of what God wants to do in your life and you sacrifice, right? If you step into what God wants for you and what God has for you, here's the thing. You can almost get caught up in the motion, right? A lot of our volunteers feel that sometimes. Like, they know how the church works, but they forget to work. Like, we know how things are made, but we forget to make things happen, right? And we're serving and we're working we're working. And, and here's the thing is that Peter... Peter's walking in the miracle, but because his eyes are not on Jesus, he begins to sink. I mean, like he's walking and he's doing the impossible, but because his focus was deranged on the storm and all the things in life, he literally began to sink and drown. Here's the truth. You can step out, right? I pray we all step out. Whatever boat it is, Holy Spirit, reveal it to us. Whatever boat it is, God is calling you to step out of. You need to step out of and quickly. Well, here's the thing. When you step out, you're going to begin to take steps. If you look at everything around you, you'll begin to sink. You need to stay looking at Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean for you and me? Here's the thing. When you're walking and you're working and things are happening and you're in the presence, in the miracle, in the blood of Jesus, if you begin to think that your love for Jesus comes from religion, you'll drown. If you take your eyes off Jesus and look at everything else, you'll drown. If you're serving and all you think about is serving and not Jesus, you're drowned. If you're giving money on Sundays and you miss the point, you miss the image, you miss Jesus, all oh, that's in vain. It has to be a conglomeration of believing and surrendering, of walking and focusing, of serving and giving and keeping a laser beam focused on Jesus. That's why in the Last Supper, Jesus says, do this as often as you can. You need to remind yourself that my body was broken for you. You need to remind 
remind yourself that my blood was poured out for you. Every, every chance you get as a faith community, do communion. Why? Because I'm the center of everything. I'm the middle of the middle. I'm the center of the center. I am the end and the beginning. Focus on me. That's why people could serve in church and then just walk out like it never happened. Because they were looking at other things except for Jesus. That's why those who give the most to God could end up giving the most to anything else. Why? Because they did the religion, but they forgot the relationship. They forgot that Jesus is the center of it all. That he's who we're walking after. Yes, you're getting blessed, but don't forget who blessed you. Yes, you're getting provision, but don't forget who actually created you in your mother's womb. He set you apart. You got to stay focused on Jesus. Hebrews 12, too. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and finisher, perfecter of our faith. Keep that there. What's the first words he tells Peter when he picks him up? You have little faith. You have little faith. If you had just kept your eyes on me, I would have sustained you. I would have sustained you. You just focused on me. This is amazing because in the New Testament, there's a man named Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. Um, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, all the religious people in Jesus' time knew the Bible, knew God, didn't understand who Jesus was, right? This is religion kind of combating relationship, right? So they knew the law. They knew religion. This, 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 this. And Jesus rises up. He's saying, he's, he's flipping tables at the temple. You guys remember that? Come on, he's coming against that. I'm the new way, right? And, and Nicodemus is an awesome person because he doesn't kind of stay in the group. He walks out. He finds Jesus, the Bible says, at nighttime. So he snuck away from everyone. He's a Pharisee. He pulls him over. He says, Jesus, what is this born-again thing you're talking about? You ever heard that, that phrase before? I'm a born-again Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. You ever heard that before? I'm born again. Born, born again, highly favored. Amen. Come on, somebody. Born again. You see, that's a biblical term, being born again. Nicodemus goes up to Jesus. He says, what does this mean to be born again? What does that mean? I'm a grown man. Do I enter, literally the Bible says, do I enter my mother's womb once more? Jesus is like, whoa, 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 okay, okay, okay. So you know the Bible. You know, you know stuff. So he, he, he says something that's super important. And, and this is his answer to that question. How, how do I get born again? It's the book of John, chapter 3, verse 10. And he looks at him and says, look, you're Israel's teacher. You can put the verse up. You're Israel's teacher. You know the law. He said, do you not understand these things? Very true. I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you on earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe me if I speak on heavenly things? Verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, son of man. He's talking about Jesus himself. Verse 14 is what I'm going to focus on. This is his answer. Jesus, how do I get born again? This is his answer. Verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Keep that verse up. And this is where you see John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. This is John 3, 15. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he says, listen. What do you mean, just born again? Let me simplify for you. Remember Moses in the time of the wilderness? How he, wrote, he, he, he rose a snake up in the wilderness? Yeah, 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 the son of man. That's who I am. That's who I am. Many of you guys understand that. Let's go to Numbers where that actually happens. The book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. It says this. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to get around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way, right? So the 
God's people, the Israelites. They spoke against God and against Moses, and they said this, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent snakes among them. They bit people. Many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned. We spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord would take the snakes away from us. Have you ever prayed that before? Lord, take the snakes away. Take the storm away. Take it away. But God actually allowed it to come into your life to show you how great he is. Come on. Verse 7, they came to Moses. We sinned. We failed. Pray that the Lord take the snakes away. So Moses prayed for the people. And this is what the Lord said. The Lord said this. Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can just look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then anyone... Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and they looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Imagine that announcement. People of Israel, you are injured. Many of you have died. But this is the word of the Lord. Just look at this snake that I built. I was like, no, that sounds like witchcraft. I'm not doing that. What? How can me looking at something cause me to live? How can me focusing on one thing actually bring healing to my life? How can me looking at one thing fulfill me in every way that I need him to? So Jesus looks at Nicodemus. He says, just like that snake, that is me. Just focus on me. Just look at me and you will receive what I have for you. Life and life more abundantly. Come on. The simplest messages can be so complex sometimes. Focus on Jesus. What does that even mean? What is, what is, just look at the fire. Like every day wake up and focus on Jesus. When we focus in on an image on our iPhones, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus every day. Sunday isn't the only day we give Jesus. No, 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 no. That's the life of a Pharisee. We believe that God isn't about religion. He's not about church attendance. He's not about oil or suits. He's about relationship. And here's the thing. We come Sundays and we build a weekly relationship instead of a second daily hour relationship. And God is calling you to a life uncomfortable. When you step out of the boat, man, don't forget what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. How many of you guys believe that Jesus leads this church? He's the leader of this church. Every move we make is in prayer and fasting. I promise you. Everything we do as a church, we lead with fear and trembling. Because God is calling us to do something. God is calling us to make an impact in our city that we can't even imagine. God has promised our church, God has promised you something you can't even conceive. What New Birth is going to do in this city, in this state, in the world, through you and your obedience, it's really going to pave the way for the coming of Jesus. It's the bride, right? The bride of Christ is being totally beautiful, totally ready, and totally mature. But can I tell you this? We can, instead of lead people to the way, get in the way when we Stay comfortable. Instead of leading people to Jesus, we could actually be in the way if we are a comfortable church. If everything we do is about comfort. Man, this is my seat, but you know what I'm saying? This is my seat. Don't move me anywhere else. Because I'll leave the church if I'm not comfortable. I, 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 oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You're doing what on what day? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I'm not comfortable with that. And Jesus is like, dude, that cross was not comfortable at all. 
there was no pillows on that cross. Those nails weren't made of plastic. They were made of steel. I hung on a cross for you. I was beaten for you. I was whipped for you. Easter is not a one-day occasion. It's every single day of your Christian walk. What would help you be more like Christ is being grateful for what he's done for you. Remembering what he's done. Focusing on what he is and what he means for your life. Amen? Man, I close with this. Let me read Matthew chapter 14, verse 32. It says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. For some of you guys are in a storm in your life right now. Listen, you step out, God will save you. If you step out, God will save you. If you step out, God will redeem you, and the storm will be still. It, it, it's not an instantaneous stillness, right? It, it's kind of like this process. Like, do you really trust me enough to walk? Like, do you really trust me enough to hold you? Like, I can only be your master until you surrender completely. And I love this part of Scripture. It says, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. And what they say, truly you are the son of God. These dudes were rocking with Jesus for a long time. These disciples, it's not the first miracle they've seen. Chronologically speaking, this event takes place right before Jesus feeds thousands out of bread and fish. They know him. They've seen him work. But it's after this occasion that they say, no, 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 no. Truly, you are the son of God. And, and isn't it funny that that would probably never happen. They would have never had that revelation of Jesus if Peter was safe. If Peter said, no, 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 those waves are too crazy. Mm-mm. Oh, no, 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 they're asking too much for me. God, yeah, uh-uh, no. Mm-mm. Listen, when you, when you are obedient to God, other people will see God for who he truly is. Truly, you are the son of God. Because someone was crazy enough to be obedient and step out of their boat. The other day I was driving with my brother. I said this to you so you guys heard the story. It's a real story. It happened two weeks ago on the Thursday night. I'm driving. <clears throat> I'm on Town Center. Amen. Everybody love Town Center? I'm on Town Center. Stuck at the light. And out of nowhere, another car beams right by me, slams the brakes, and I hear, yeah! I was like, what? I tell my brother. He's like, yo, what's up, what's up? Some guy's talking to us. Turns out I know the guy. I went to high school with the guy. Me and my brother in the front, and we're looking across to his car, and his window's down. He's like, man, I miss you guys. I'm like, I miss you too, bro. Haven't seen the dude in like three years. Here's the backstory. I went to, I went to middle school with this dude. He's awesome. He's amazing. Um, he he kind of hung around the wrong crowd and got into drugs into an early age. I mean, like middle school, like, like heavy drugs. And this didn't stop in high school. It elevated, escalated. He went to a different direction. He went to a different lifestyle. He graduated. Oh, my God. He, he's just been... He's been living a life, kind of leading his own self, right? He's doing his own thing, and, and, he, and that's who he is, right? So I'm looking across. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? I love you, too. He looks. He gets, he gets sentimental. He goes, I love you and your brother, man. I love you. I, I never heard him say he loved me, right? I just never. I, heard, I love you. And I look across. I'm like, man, we love you, too, bro. And he looks at me. He goes, dude, I got to go to your church, man. My eyes are huge. I'm like. Yeah, man, come on. DM me on Instagram. I'll give you the address. He said, no, nah, man, for real, man. I've just been working. Getting everything. But, man, you, man, I got to go to your church. See what's going I got to go to your church. 
Windows closed. We say bye. He drives off. My brother taps me. He goes, hey, man, does he go to church? I'm like holding back tears. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Here's the truth. When you step out of faith, when you're consistent in the life of God, your life brings a bigger message than your mouth. And I could have brought the gospel to him all middle school, all high school, but it was until he seen me and my brother committed into the church, surrendered to the church, giving everything, he saw us. He said, like, truly, he is the son of God. Here's my last point tonight. I hope it hits you. When you surrender to Jesus, others will see him. When you surrender, that's your purpose. Jesus said, hey, go and be comfortable in your homes, right? Great commission. Jesus is he's leaving the clouds. He's like, hey, guys, you just go be comfortable. No, no, no. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. God's purpose for his disciples, God's purpose for you is to build more disciples. Build more followers and people that believe and have a relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you, the biggest thing that stops you from doing that is living a comfortable lifestyle. Comfortable. Comfortable. But God's calling you out into the uncomfortable. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's not a question. It's not a maybe. It's a promise. That's what I will do. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.